together. This no, is Laura, what. You don't say together. But it says together on the thing. Yeah, but see the colon. You say what's after the colon. Let's try it again. Okay. Just pretend that you can't see that. Tell me Ready? Okay. What? One, two. Three. Colon. This is Laura. No, you don't say colon. Why like, did you? Why did you say a punctuation mark? You just skip. Just pretend you can't see any of that. Just to get like, just pretend it starts on the okay, word okay, this. Okay, 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 okay. Let's go. Ready? Three, two, one. This is Laura and Corey. Why aren't you talking? You told me to pretend I can't see anything. No, until we get to this. Okay, so I'm going to say three, two, one, then we start on this. Okay. Are you ready? Ready. Do you want to count off? No, I'm scared. Okay, three, two. One. This, this is, is Laura, Laura and Corey from, from the new hit show Halliston. And Sci-Fi Saturday Night is balls. I think you mean tits. And Sci-Fi Saturday Night is tits. Good job. You're so smart. Sci-Fi Saturday Night. Sci-Fi Saturday Night. Tell your people to surrender now and avoid war. Don't think you can be so easily! It is now time for us to put Earth under our roof. It is your sacred duty to tell us the truth. Confess, confess that you will give you witchcraft. You expect me to believe that you can overrun the entire world? We cannot be defeated. We have never been defeated. That is the message. Yeah, they're dead. They're all messed up. Five by Saturday night. It is Talkcast 129, and it's Boxing Night here on Sci-Fi Saturday Night for no apparent reason. Deep in Area 51 at the sub-level 16 Boom Boom Mancini Boxing Emporium and Extraterrestrial Raw Bar, two-time weightless L5 chunky weight champion, I Am The Dome. Joining the TalkCast tonight are our usual suspects in the Revere Time Vortex, Soundboard Vixen, and official Rolex Timekeeper to the Stars, Queen of the Amazons, Kriana. Critical Strike! Wait, am I not playing Skyrim anymore? No, you're not. Oh, whoops. From the stacks of her personal silent zone in the Dank Dungeon Reading Room, unofficial part-time amateur Nevada referee, Zombrarian. Who's probably still muted. <laughs> It's the silent zone. I will punch you. <laughs> From the four color vault of comics in Manchester, New Hampshire, cut man to the stars, Illustrator X. Jesus, a secret compartment in my ring I fill with a super underdog energy pill. And his lovely ingenue, our vampirella, the ring girl, the dead redhead. It's round number four. Okay. And okay. Okay. <laughs> Good! I'm glad Why we cleared that up. <laughs> on it tonight from the Outpost Gallifrey Nymphomaniac Catch and Release Center in the French-Canadian Sawdust Inhalation Reclamation Center in Moose Jaw, Saskatchewan, next to a frozen lake and member of the All-Star Quebec Synchronized Swimming Team, 185 pounds of liquid awesome, it's Awake by Java. I'm in it for the skullcaps. <laughs> Our guest tonight, we got two of them. First of all, co-creator of Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles and publisher of Heavy Metal Magazine, Kevin Eastman. And joining oh. us... Oh, there's... Hey, Kevin! I was just going to say hola, senores and senoritas. 
It's Mexican. That's my best. That's I got to learn how to say that in my uh, thicker Boston accent. <laughs> and the creator of Cursed Pirate Girl, Jeremy Bastian. It, hello. It's, it's not an earring if it's in your nose. <laughs> <laughs> now that's funny. <laughs> hey, hey, hey. Okay, Boston Comic Con doubleheader. For those of you who are listening to the show, you want to see Kevin Eastman? You want to see Jeremy? Boston Comic Con is the place to be. We are now officially two weeks away, so join us there. And actually, you... it dome one week yeah. away. That's right. Oh shit! When when <laughs> this podcast airs, it it will be officially the next Saturday after that. Holy oh, shit! Colin. Colin! <laughs> it's closer than we think. Closer than you think. Evidently. <laughs> so let's start off the show as we start off the show every week with the lovely dead redhead to talk about this week's Facebook poll, darling. Our Facebook poll this week was we asked everybody who their favorite sci-fi feline was for all the cat lovers out there. Oh, I missed the poll. Why? There are many, many cat lovers who listen to our show. So that's why we decided to do this. And our third place, we actually have a three-way tie, okay? A three-way tie. Think about this. It was a mix between the Thundercats... All of them? All of the Thundercats, apparently. Even Snarf? Uh, I'm not even <laughs> going to go there. Uh, <laughs> Dad, Data's Cat Spot, which we do love Spot. Oh, I love Spot. I know. See, I love Spot as soon as they, somebody wrote that. And then Schrodinger's Cat. Yay! Uh, well, okay, that's not exactly science fiction, guys. Well, I would just I like to it. say that Schrodinger's Cat won and didn't win at the same time. There we go! <laughs> <laughs> well played, sir. Well played. Classic. Coming in second place, I was very happy to see this one. Was Cat from Red Dwarf because you yeah. know the cat. Yes, the cat. yes I know. <laughs> Java, be with me. <laughs> I love Cat. Yeah. Who's number one? Number one is Mr. Heinlein's The Cat Who Walked Through Walls. A lot of Robert we e. Heinlein fans. A, we must have a lot of Heinlein fans because I was um, very surprised. I think Spider Pixel Robinson. has respect. Pixel is fairly fucking awesome. Yep, absolutely. No questions asked. You know, nobody nobody mentioned Mr. Bigglesworth from Austin Powers. That's kind of sci-fi, right? Yeah, yeah that's because no one stoops that low. Oh, no, one, <laughs> no, one, no one mentions Heathcliff either. Well, that's not sci-fi. I'm no, sorry. They are talking cat. Well, by that logic, you could also include Garfield. <laughs> no, but I was actually fairly, fairly impressed. The two people went for Nastasia Kinski. Yes. Yep. Oh. Yeah. Should have been. Should have been Simone Simon from the original Val Luton version. And all the way. I also would have liked to have seen Fritz Leiber's Space Time for Springer's Cat. A little higher, Gummitch. Yeah. But. That's okay. Yeah, Illustrator and X, both and I both went after Omaha the Cat Dancer. Oh my god, when is he no. going to finish that series? <laughs> I know! <laughs> X wants to know! Alright. <laughs> but what do we have in the news this week? Interesting weekend news. Interesting weekend news. Uh, can I start with some Walking Dead information? 
Sure. Uh, as we move into season three of Walking Dead, uh, people are concerned that they're going to spend an inordinate amount of time on the road again. Uh, and everybody is saying, no, that's a good thing. Keep moving. <laughs> yeah. You know, Didn't we learn our lesson last season, man? Yeah, we absolutely did. But the cool thing is uh, the character of Maggie has been upgraded from a featured player to an actual co-star. So Maggie's evidently going to be around for a while until she gets killed off like everybody well, else. Actually, in the comics, she hasn't died yet, has she? No. I don't think no. so. So, you know, she does become kind of more of a major character, so that makes sense. Um, makes, makes perfect sense. And also, anybody who does... means that since Glenn has a love interest and can have sex with her and then she'll have sex with his best friend when she thinks he's dead, that means we get to spend a lot more time with Glenn. So that's cool. And it can I be love Glenn. angsty again, yeah. And there will be angst and say... soap operas. For anybody who reads the comics, and I'm not going to say any spoilers, we just had a recent turn in the comics that was much like what we something we saw last semester, which was kind of cool. To last, see them inter last semester? Last semester. Oh, boy. I'm having one of those nights. I'm having one of those nights. Okay. Well, okay. Uh, she needs a little more medication. Could you get on that, X, please? And, uh... And, and you know what? If you are a fan of The Walking Dead, then you should definitely go over to mapofthedead.com to see uh, a a survival map in case zombies do arrive. Uh, oh, I know the, where I'm going. The wonderful thing about this map is that it highlights not only danger zones where there are high concentrations of people who will become zombies, um, but also necessary resources. So you can look around your neighborhood or your city to find out where would you go to stock up on ammo and guns. No, uh, I'm going to the Sam's Club down the street, <laughs> and then I'm going north. And anybody who wants to go north with me, because I'm just going to go to the place where they're going to freeze. I read the book. <laughs> I, say I, I, I live in Los Angeles, so I'm surrounded by zombies 24-7. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> nice knowing you, Kevin. <laughs> i got to get out of here. That's, that's why I'm coming east. i got to get out of L.A. That's right. Come on back. <laughs> Well, my wife, uh, my wife's got horses, so we're set for transportation. Oh, there you go. Perfect. Excellent. I'm, I'm just, just gonna hide out here and, 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 you know, keep the guns under the blankets and be done with it. That's it. I'm done. I'm done. Come at me, you bastards! I've had it. I'm just going to make sure before the zombies hit that I go to the Boston Comic Con, which is going to be next weekend, April 21st and 22nd, in the Convention Center. That, that was that was the best segue ever. That was perfect. You know, we pride ourselves on being a professional podcast. And, and, this guy's been—he's been around the block. He knows it. I, would want I love to it. Spend money on original artwork from great artists like uh, Jeremy Bastian, Kevin Eastman, and also and meet the Sci-Fi Saturday Night cast there as well. Yeah, then you I, can do that, I suppose. Then it's liquor and guns, but <laughs> and zombies. Not necessarily in that order. <laughs> Maybe guns and liquor. There you go. Speaking of guns and liquor, you know, Fringe may have another season out of itself. Oh. And we will need the guns and liquor because that's the only way to deal with that. Now, I, I think Fridge has definitely got another season in it. Oh, Excellent. yeah. Oh, I disagree. 
I really this do. Year has been good. It's been a really good season. This it has, and they should end on a high note. Well, what I'm really decided? afraid it's going to do what so many shows before it, like Dollhouse, has did it. They only it, got one season. They got an extra <laughs> season, and it just kind of died, and died, like, it left a bad taste in your mouth. Like, something died there. Like, the show died. <laughs> See how I'm doing this? It's I'm afraid for Fringe if it gets another season. Well, it, actually, what they're talking about is an actual half season. So it may be an eventual 13 episodes simply to do a, give it closure. Okay, that would be sense. okay. Uh, I approve. <laughs> Let the people at Fox know so that they can go ahead. <laughs> Please don't. Sorry, you you had mentioned something about a documentary that you had seen something about called uh, "I Know That Voice." I do know that voice. Um, there is a new trailer out, and I'm super excited uh, for a documentary about the uh, about voice actors and what they actually do. And it's amazing. You're watching these people in this trailer, and they're just chatting and chatting and chatting. And all of a sudden, there's this shift, and you say, oh, "That's Bender. That's Batman. That's I forget who else is in it right now, but I know that I knew most." Zoidberg is one of them. In there. Zoidberg, it, and you're completely thrown off. But in a, this amazingly wonderful way, and they're all, and it looks like the documentary itself is going to be absolutely phenomenal. Oh, um, and they've got the woman who voiced Natasha. No, and Rocky. no, did she do Natasha so, too? Yes. yes. They only they only showed her doing Rocky. They yeah. she voices Natasha and Rocky. This woman is in her nineties. She's still yep. working. Yep. And she's and so fucking know. awesome. June, June Foray. Yes, June exactly. Foray. June Foray is, is yes. the queen of, the flying of this. She's been doing it for yes. years and years. Yes, you know, it's, it's funny. As I, I did this, um, we did this documentary of the turtles that's still in development, and I met all the voice actors in this one meeting at one time, and the guy that does the voice of Donatello, that's his natural voice. And so, oh, wow. the whole time he's talking, it's just like, he, he, so when he went to work, he just talked like he normally does every day of his life. So the whole time he was talking, I kept thinking it's Donatello. It's like, it was really <laughs> He's in the creepy. room with you. He's <laughs> doing these weird double takes. Like, that's but, funny. But is that how you originally heard the voice when you were drawing the comic? Well, you know, it's, it never really, it was never specific. And that was probably the thing that was the hardest thing to get used to was, you know, we, we had these voices inside our head, Peter and I, when we were writing them, but we never imagined them as a specific sounding voice. A lot of times they were, you know, based on different friends that I had. But, um, uh, yeah, it, was, uh, it took some getting used to. Wow. Did you ever get yeah. to do one of the voices, Kevin? No, you know, Peter, did you guys see the Turtles Forever thing? The Turtles the... Forever? Yeah. No. Well, there's this, one of the last cartoons that, um, the new series that they did, uh, for Kids Entertainment, they did this Turtles Forever, which they did, it was, um, the original 80s Turtles met the 2000 Turtles, met the original black and white Turtles in this movie, and at the end, Peter and I do a voiceover as ourselves at the end of the show, and this little oh, cutaway nice. to this live action thing, but it's, um, 
it's fantastic. I've never really done anything more than that, but um, uh, voice-wise. But I I hate the sound of my voice. I think you know, even I don't like listening to myself on an answer machine. It's like I, I don't know. I sound like uh, I think I sound like Urkel or something. You know. Well, definitely <laughs> skip this episode of Sci-Fi Saturday Night then. <laughs> With the magic of podcasting, both you and Jeremy are going to sound like James Earl Jones by the end of this. <laughs> yes. Or Morgan Freeman, whichever you choose. Well, give me, give, make me and Jeremy, give us an English accent or something cool, you know, something like that. Oh, yeah. Totally, totally. <laughs> you can make that happen. Kriana, put in the... Uh, I'll, I'll requisition the, that up for you. What else we got going on, guys? <laughs> This was a slow week in sci-fi. It was a good time to have two guests. Are you on. kidding? Ender's game was pushed back eight. Yeah, this yeah, no one cares. <laughs> <laughs> oh, oh. <laughs> Continuing in my news trend of stuff you can buy, along with Nathan Fillion's steampunk arm and yes. the house of that guy who made his living room into the bridge of the Enterprise. Enterprise, yes. You what can you also buy. District 12 from the Hunger Games. Uh, if you have $1.4 million just lying around, I know I do. Kevin, um, Kevin, can you handle that? <laughs> I gotta clean out a few mattresses anyway, what the hell? Oh, perfect, perfect. Fabulous. I just don't have room for all my money, so I'm thinking about buying it. <laughs> <laughs> I'm, tired of, I'm tired of burning it, it just makes so much pollution. It's just. Uh... I know. Now, did you guys? I told you. You guys see the clip I'm putting out? I'm putting the, the original first drawing of the trolls that Peter and I did up for sale at the Heritage Auction. Yes, oh, I, did. I saw that. It's very exciting. It's sort, of, it's sort of. I'm letting some other cool stuff go. We can talk about later, but um, I like the Nathan Fillion thing. Is it from Firefly? What is that from? It's from no, Castle. 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 It's oh, from Castle. Oh, that's... steampunk episode. I think oh, it's probably right. already been sold, but it was up for uh, his arm from that episode is up for auction. Oh, that's cool. That, like, his actual arm, the costume arm he wears. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks, Thanks for, for that clarification. Thanks for clarifying it, you know. Yes. Nathan no, Fillion is like on this one. I he had to walk around your house with just his arm or have it hanging above the fireplace or something. Go ahead. No. Oh, no, I was just going to say, one thing I'd want to buy, Jeremy. Yes? You have a thousand million billion tiny little lines in your original art. <laughs> Please tell me you're bringing some to, to the show to sell. Wait, bring a what? Please tell me you're bringing some original art to the show to sell. Oh, um, well, I sell my originals through a guy, but I, I usually bring some to show what they look like. Because it's all drawn at uh, actual size, so it's all pretty small. Yeah, good. I can put it in my pocket and walk away with it. That's great. <laughs> yeah. But, um, uh, yeah, the, uh, the gentleman who first published it through Olympian Publishing, he's sort of like my art manager, his name's Tom McGovern, and he sells all the original stuff. So. And you can uh, find that at... Where? <laughs> you can... Uh, uh, find him through centuryguild.net, I believe. Or, yeah, something like that. <laughs> <laughs> Google it. Google something like that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm sure it'll come up. I'm sure it'll come up. 
Just use the Google. The power of Google. <laughs> I got that. I'm in the studio and I got two Dutch hounds doing a WWF match in the floor. I got Peanut, and, <laughs> Peanut, Peanut and Justin Bieber going at it. <laughs> they know that it's boxing night here you know, on Saturday night. Obviously. <laughs> now, who are God. you rooting for, Kevin? <laughs> Kevin, tell us. Like you Peanut. didn't tell us before the show, how did you end up with a dachshund named Justin Beaver? <laughs> well, um, my wife and I stumbled across a, a dachshund that we fell in love with, and we named her, well, the kids, the kids named all the dogs after snacks, so the first one we got was named Pickles, and then came Pretzel, then came Pudding, um, and so on and so on. So we, as we rescued more dogs, um, it got to be around uh, 11 of them, and finally I'm like, you know, I shut them off. I shut the door at four, but they kept coming. And, uh, and finally, works, it, it? it does. You know, it's like, you know, we love our wives and, 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 you know, she supports all of my crazy antics and crazy work hours and schedule. So, um, and I love the dogs anyway. I'm a huge animal fan. And so she, she comes into the studio once, um, it's out in the back of the house and she comes in and she goes, Hey, if we got another Dutch hound, uh, if we got another dog, what would you name it? And I said, no way, uh-uh, ain't going to happen, take it back, forget about it. Those are name options, by the way. And or, uh, <laughs> well, finally, I just seen, like, Justin Bieber was a guest on, like, the Today Show. And so I said, so I went through that whole list of names, and I said, or I'd call it Justin Bieber. And so she went into the house, and about a few minutes later, she came back out, and she held up this dog. She said, meet Justin Bieber. Um, <laughs> so Bieber is the only dog that isn't named after a snack. And uh, he had been in a, had been stuck in a cage for four months and never really let out. So when we brought him home, and he, he, he basically ran around our yard for two hours straight nonstop. And he was just, a, he's, we loved them all dearly, the most, uh, the most darling things. But, uh, yeah, so Justin Bieber is the only uh, non-snack named Dutch hound. <laughs> <laughs> now he's re he's wrestling. <laughs> he's, well, he's, it's funny is he's wrestling the dog. The other dog that stays out in the studio a lot is a dog named Peanut, and Peanut's got hair. It's called a wire-haired Dutch hound, and he looks like Chewbacca. But he, <laughs> he does. He's this wire hair thing, and he was across the yard once when we first got him. And I go, "Come here, Peanut!" And I said, "Peanut!" And then he smiled at me, like literally smiled, like one of, something you see in a, one of those TV commercials about dentist sticks for dogs. He's got this big white grin. <laughs> And I've got, I've got a photo of it. I'm, I think on one of my Facebook sites, a uh, thing was uh, Peanut Smiling. So you just say his name Peanut, and he gives you this big grin. It's a crazy. <laughs> but they're just awesome. We we love them dearly. It's like at night, I've got six inches on one side of the bed. My wife's got uh, six inches on the other side of the bed, and all the dogs have the middle. Yeah. <laughs> oh, God. <clears throat> yeah. They think so. Yeah, that's awesome. Right. We've sort of blurred into the, the interview section. Ah, that's okay. Oh, well, you said it was slow news anyway, so, uh, but uh, I love The Walking Dead, by the way. That's one of my favorite shows. And the comic. Yeah, it, it kind of comes and goes for me. I prefer the comic to the show, but I like what the show tried to do in its season one. Then yeah. I fell apart in season two, and I'm hoping they get their shit back together in season three. It would be awesome if they did. It's it's funny. It's uh. You, you never know how those things are going to go. I just watched Firefly again, uh, the whole series recently, and it's like, that was like one of those shows that had some really great moments and then some really kind of static ones, but it was you know, overall enjoyable. But uh, Yeah, it was just overall one of the things enjoyable. that the network really, yes. <laughs> never really knew how to deal with. 
Yeah, it's just it was a sci-fi western, you know. It was very specific in what they were doing. It just uh, never caught on. <laughs> yeah. Well, well no, you know, there's a grand tradition of sci-fi westerns. The first real hit sci-fi western was actually Star Trek, which was marketed to the network as Wagon Train to the Stars. <laughs> oh. You're showing your age again, Dom. Yeah, really. <laughs> Sorry, <Yeah>. <laughs> <laughs> well, it, it's funny because I, I've been watching Gene Rodden, Eugene Roddenberry's uh, Trek Nation, uh, which is a really, really uh, interesting documentary, uh, which ostensibly started out as Eugene uh, trying to get a handle on what it was his father, Gene Roddenberry, was, because as a kid, he was rebellious and never really got into the whole... That little Star ungrateful bastard, I mean... Nothing. <laughs> <laughs> Had that been your father, you would have appreciated him. Sure. But, uh, yeah, really. <laughs> Unlike now. Hey, next question. Yeah. Exactly. Well, now, speaking of film projects, Kevin, I noticed that um, on your site, one of the things you talk about is Lost what Angeles. Little... There yeah. was like, a potential film project. What's that about? Well, uh, Los Angeles was uh, an idea I came up with Simon Bisley um, probably 10 or 12 years ago. I was We were contacted by a, a game company to develop some ideas, and that was one that I kind of it clicked on, but I decided to keep it for myself, and, and mainly because I live in Los Angeles, and most of the time this place does seem like an episode of The Walking Dead. It's like just with more agents and, and uh, a few more vampires. But uh, so we started developing. I loved, you know, a post-apocalyptic setting, and I loved, you know, like the original Warriors movie. And I kind of combined a lot of other sci-fi elements, you know, post-apocalyptic Warriors, um, Escape from L.A., the way it should have been done, and some other things, and sort of converted it into this whole concept called Los Angeles. And we've um, Simon and I have completed the visual packages, about 40 paintings and concept works, and I have a finished screenplay and. Um, we're going to actually, um, when I finish this run on the Turtle series, we're doing, I'm doing with IDW, one of the other projects I'm doing is, uh, they're going to be, you know, publishing the Los Angeles comic series, which we're just starting work on now. Oh, nice. So, um, and then pitching it as a movie, pitching it as TV stuff, um, mm -hmm. you know, and that kind of thing, especially out here, you know, you either going to pitch it and it's going to be sold the first day, you're going to pitch it for the rest of your life. And, you know, on my gravestone, it'll say the guy that still couldn't sell Los Angeles. <laughs> um, or, so, it'll be, so it'll be somewhere in between all of that, but it's a it, it's it's kind of a neat project that's uh, been uh, been fun to develop. Okay, okay. Well, I want to look at that. Do you bring in anything from that to the show? Yeah, actually, I wanted to bring lots of bits of bits and pieces, odds and ends. I'm, I haven't been to Boston, and my goodness, for. 10 or 15 years at least for you know this kind of appearance um, besides visiting family or friends and stuff but it's so I'm excited to come and hang out with uh, a lot of my uh, my hometown folks um, being a native Mainer and some of the first underground comics I used to get was a million million year picnic back in the day I'd drive down Oh yeah! Yeah, I used to me and me and a, me and a cook. I used to cook lobsters on the coast of Maine, and me and one of the other cooks would drive down on our day off down to, from you know uh, Kennebunkport down to Million Year Picnic and, and stock up on underground comics and other cool shit, oh. and then drive back. <laughs> so, um, oh, first comic store I ever went to. Oh, oh yeah, yeah, that's fantastic. It was such a yeah. such a cool you know. Uh, head shop, uh, smoke shop, uh, underground comic, comic store, it just smelled funky and it was awesome. Yes. It was just great. That's a visual, isn't it? It was good. <laughs> Jeremy, 
Yeah. Jeremy. Yes. Speaking of comics, tell us about your book, Cursed Pirate Girl. Well, um, it's uh, I call it my nautical fairy tale. It's um, sort of um, just reminiscing on a whole bunch of things I liked when I, when I was a kid uh, about you know storybook fairy tales and books that are just full of you know details from you know border to border. So that's really really what I wanted to put into it. It's about an orphan girl who decides she has to try and find her father. Um, it, the time has come. She's going out in the world and trying to find him. All she knows, though, is that he's a pirate captain of the America Seas, but nobody really believes her because those are sort of like mythological waters, and that's where mermaids live and leviathans, you know, take down ships and stuff like that. So, But she eventually makes her way to the Americas, and then she has to go from uh, ship to ship trying to find out, you know, from... Um, you know, which one's her dad's and where she belongs and sort of what happened to them. So I wanted to create like an iconic, you know, Dorothy kind of character or Alice kind of character. And so this is where that comes from. Nice. I have to, I have to ask you, Jeremy, looking at your artwork, because um, everybody has so many different influences. And I mean, yeah. right now, of like the the graffiti art, the urban art is very popular. Not that I don't like it, because I do, but you remind me, your work reminds me of something from Doré or something of the old yeah. masters, and it's, which is why it's so beautiful. And I just wondered, do you have any uh, folks that you were fans of that you would go and look at their artwork or something? Or is this just something you picked up? Well, as far as contemporary artists, um, Aaron Horky and Vanya Zorobliov are two, like, amazing, kind of neat guys, and their work is just, you know, I drool over it every time I see them in juxtapose or high throws and stuff like that. But other than that, a lot of my influences are uh, very much deceased, like Doré and Harry Clark and um, Franklin Booth, you know, mm. Arthur Rackham. Mm. Fantastic stuff, Tell all of it. That's beautiful. It's, it's incredibly beautiful. Incredibly Tell me you're selling prints. <laughs> What was that? Tell me you're bringing prints to sell for the show. Yeah, yeah. I uh, I have a series of prints that I've done that I um I print them out and then I stain them with tea and throw them in the oven to give it that sort of antique sort of. Uh, wait, wait, I, wait, I'm sorry. <laughs> you throw your artwork in the oven? <laughs> yeah, yeah. I, I stain it with tea. I brush on tea and then I um. I have this like tray I made out of aluminum foil, so I can put two little pieces on a tray, and then I got two trays going at once, and I just pop them in the oven, crisp them up a little. Wow! At Boston Comic Con, you can buy Easy Bake art. <laughs> oh, that was mean. Jeremy, are you going to have copies of the collected edition? <laughs> um, the only copies I have left are this uh, like sketch cover series that we did through Olympian. Um, the book. It's coming out through Archaea, but that won't be until I think the end of June. But um, so that one, that one's be really something. We did a whole bunch of extra features for it, and there's a guest gallery in the back, and a couple of new pages that I put into it as well. So I'm really looking forward to that one. The sketch uh, cover ones are a little pricey because I have to charge, you know, like what I would normally charge for a um, con sketch. So I'm very limited on those. Gotcha. It's just, you know, I, it's, you, you stare at, at some of your work and, you know, at the intricacy of it, and it's just, you, you marvel. And 
I, I, was I, say, I was going through. Go ahead. I'm sorry. Go ahead. No, I was just going to say this is like we've talked about this dome where there's always that one artist at a show that you just you discover and you're like, oh my god, where have you been all my life? <laughs> yeah. And it's like you know we we found like Tracy Lee Quinn or, or other artists like that or or Sarah Richards again. Yep. If you ever meet Sarah Richards at a show, and or Julie a, Myers. And Julie Myers. <laughs> and let's list every artist we've ever had on the show. Ready <laughs> and go. Colin. Colin. Oh, Jeremy, you're doing a tour. You're going to uh, Chicago right now, right? Yes, I'm on the road. To see we're, we're actually interviewing you on the back in, in the back seat of a car, as I understand. Yes, yes. I am uh, I'm driving there with uh, a couple of people you might know. Uh, Dave Peterson of Miles Card Fame. He's got oh, a couple of triple hey, covers. Hey. An amazing, amazing artist. Uh, he and his wife. So. Uh, so tell, tell Dave, I, said, I just met him. He's an awesome guy. It was really exciting to meet him, and I'm a huge fan of uh, Mouse Card, and that's, that's awesome. Please tell him I said hi and give him my best. Yeah, he, uh, he goes on and on about your work, too. <laughs> <laughs> Aww. That's really nice. I love that. That's <laughs> so nice. They're so cute. Now, Kevin, you're, you're doing a tour, too. I noticed that you're not just hitting up Boston. From here, you're going on to London and then, like, trotting around the world, basically. Well, you know, it, it's for the longest time I, I really didn't do that much, did, did that many shows, especially when the kids were growing up. I've got an eleven-year-old and a six-year-old, and I was, you know, just didn't want to be away from them, and so I kind of kept it down to San Diego and an occasional signing, you know, east, you know, do uh, do uh, New York or something like that. But then, you know, they're a bit older, and, and especially that, you know, when I started doing work on the new IDW Turtle series. Um, I felt like I actually had something to promote, and to be honest, the fan response to the work that uh, I've been doing with you know Tom Waltz and those guys over there, and Dan Duncan, who are just fantastic. They both run a, rings around me creatively all day long, and I just had such a great time, you know, reengaging with the turtles and reengaging with the turtle fans. Um, it's just been a blast to go out and do it and, and promote it. So. Besides doing things like the Detroit Con, which I hadn't been for many years, and since the days Pete and I went there, and Boston Con, and um, you know New York, and then I'm doing some stuff. I'm going to guest direct one of the episodes of the cartoon show for uh, oh. Nick Nickelodeon, which is really exciting. Awesome, um, that's very cool. Yeah, and you know, working on the new movie now and that kind of stuff. So they, Nickelodeon sort of they just launched a big program in the UK, and they invited me to come over there and, and do that show. They said they'd pay my way, and London's one of my favorite cities. So I said I'll I'd love a free trip to London just to go goof around and, <laughs> and, 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 and do that. So yeah, it's just it, to be honest, it's it's really inspiring, and just um, you know, without babbling on too much, I just going back to work on the turtles after all these years. Um, working in the comic series has reminded me of two things. Um, one, how much I love drawing comic books, and two, how much I, I love and miss the turtles. And it's been a really, you know, kind of um, life-altering in that sense that I've just decided to sort of give up on a lot of things I've been doing out here in Hollywood and, and get back to drawing comics for a living because that's something I, you know, I lost somewhere along the line that I've just enjoyed so much. It's uh, something I've, I didn't realize how much I missed it until I, I got back into it. So it's been pretty, pretty awesome. Now, I know we Can talked we? about this before the show, so you yeah, don't have to say anything. To you don't have to say anything in response, Kevin. 
But I'm going to say on behalf of everyone everywhere who has ever loved the turtles, do not let Michael Bay transformer them. <laughs> you can't. Well, you know, and I'll say this, is that um, I've, I've met Michael Bay, and, and you know, I, I actually like um, uh, the, the movies that he's done, and, and uh, you know, it, 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 you know, we, even with Transformers, I was never a, an original Transformers fan, so I didn't realize the changes that he had made to the some of the, you know, uh, the, the core, core heartbeat of the characters. Um, but uh, I enjoyed a lot of his work, and I in Jonathan Leavesman, who's the director of the film, and I've met both those guys. But I'd been working with um, um, some of the team before developing some of the ideas. I mean, we've been working on the turtle movie for a couple of years, and um, you know, <laughs> Michael Bay's comment, um, literally, you know, and I can't unfortunately tell you anything of what they're doing with the movie besides that I've read about sixty pages of what they're doing, and it's absolutely awesome. Um, is that um, one of the comments that we had talked about earlier is that, hey, where did the turtle mutagen come from? And I said, well, you know, back in Turtles 3, 4, 5, 6, and 7, we explained that the mutagen is a substance that comes through the Ultrons, uh, through the, the little Krang-like looking guys, and it comes from outer space. So it's a, and actually it's an alien substance that helped mutate the turtles. And so somebody had said, so the turtles are aliens. And I said, no, 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 no. The, the mutagen that turned them <laughs> into turtles is of an alien nature, but they're not aliens themselves. And that, that kind of discussion, as it was bantered around, it kind of got a little convoluted and, and was kind of put out of the wrong way. But then, you know, what happens is somebody says something like that, and then it becomes a marketing thing. And, you know, now even Jonathan Leesman, who was on the road promoting, you know, Wrath of the Titans, ends up talking more about the work he's going to be doing on the turtle movie than the movie he's out promoting. Well, well so, you know what the reason for that is that people really care Oh God! Trust me, and like you know, and I love that, and I and I think that you know I was scared shitless when we were working on some of the, uh, you know, and I should say you know Tom Waltz who really brainstormed the the relaunch concept um, and threading together so many bits and pieces from the black and white series, from the animated series, from the live action stuff into this new you know kind of new foundation that we're going to build all of the uh, the rest of the storytelling, at least IDW-wise, from. Um, he's the one that kind of conceived that. But we did things like having April name the Turtles, um, their characters, instead of Splinter. And I thought that was going to be something that we get a absolutely massive fan lashback, or uh, or even the fact that we had them, much like there was parts of it were used in the reincarnation aspect that we did in the cartoon episode when we had the Turtles be reincarnated and those kind of things. I thought some of those dramatic changes we did would be you know, really uh, um, disconcerting to a lot of the fans, but um, I think the way that we were able to connect it to the core story and the attitude and the tone and the mood of what we've been doing as a story, I think that people have embraced some of these tweaks and uh, seem to be pretty happy with it. So I'm keeping my fingers and toes crossed there as well because we're trying some things and taking some chances. Okay, uh, and I when think, I say I think people care, I really mean me. <laughs> well, I, I appreciate the love, and I tell you that you know fans are hard to come by. Female fans even are harder to come by, and I, I love all of them dearly. Okay, well, you I know what's even harder say. to come by? Sorry, dead redhead, but it it's redheaded female role models. Just saying. Oh, uh, <laughs> yeah. I was gonna say, having April O'Neil probably really boosted your female fan contingent because she was tough as nails. Oh, and I it was always so awesome as a, when I was a kid to turn on a cartoon and see a girl driving the van and basically saving the day whenever the turtles did something stupid instead of sitting there and waiting to be rescued. 
Because yeah, even instead that of being girl, Daphne on the scoop. Yeah, yeah, instead of Daphne, yeah, exactly. I was just going to say, that. uh, talk about rabid fans, though. I remember going to the museum once, and there was somebody from a state out west somewhere, because I don't want anything that could potentially, that we could mention anything that's around somebody. But this was somebody, it was a young female at the time, and she laid down in the middle where you guys had the area at Tundra, where you had all the stuff for a while. Mm-hmm. We did the, the, the tour of Mirage Studios. The tour yeah. of Mirage Studios, and she literally laid down on the floor and started crying. Oh boy! <laughs> <laughs> that's that's you know it's a, you know the Beatles, my fans, very much the same. You know, uh, that's not too far off though. Like seriously, <laughs> Kevin, I think the only way that you're going to make sure that this film does not disappoint those fans is if you include a sci-fi podcast. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Yes. A lot of screen time. Speak to Michael and yeah, just, just make it up. happen, okay? A quick walk on will be fine. Mm-hmm. I will. <laughs> we'll have also have uh, Jeremy's character and Mouse Guard in there too. It'll be awesome. Excellent. Go. Go. Great. Good. <laughs> the turtles will be reading Jeremy's comic. There we go. There we go. Well, I think April O'Neil is cursed pirate girl. Well, there you go. (laughs) I love it. Twist! (laughs) Colin! Colin! (laughs) I think we should just, like, start saying random punctuation marks. Just, like, be talking, be like, and dash! Ampersand! Asterisk! Sorry. I always love that line in Austin Powers where the guy said that he had a relative that thought he invented the question mark. I always told people he invented the question mark. <laughs> you know, I think I've used that in interviews before. Oh, and I invented the question mark. Really? <laughs> oh, boy. What have we said, you know? That's what I did with all my turtle money. I bought the question mark. I bought all the rights for the question mark. Every time somebody uses a question mark, I get paid. Nice. Oh. So that means if I oh, want to give you money, I should use the question mark a lot. <laughs> what? I'm oh, sorry. Exactly. <laughs> Even I use it, I have to pay for it. No. Uh, Kevin, I got to tell you, I've always been so happy that you used your money to uh, fund the Words and Pictures Museum back in the day in Northampton, Mass. You know, Dead Redhead and I loved, that was our home away from home. Yes, it was. For anybody who doesn't know, and that's where we got married we 13 got, years ago. Yep, yes. So... Well, first, thanks, and thanks for all your support. And I really, I mean, actually, if there's if there's anything I miss, you know, out of either things that I tried to do and give back, like whether it be Tundra Publishing and things we tried there and, um, you know, other things that I've done and, you know, even inspired by, like, um, you know, Peter's, uh, you know, um, Zurich Group, I thought that was an excellent program, is, you know, the Words and Pictures Museum, that going away was probably one of the saddest things I've ever had to sort of uh, process. It was, a, it was a dream to, you know, build an environment that was hopefully preserve comics as a um, as a true art form that I think it is. I mean, the stuff that you know I do and Jeremy does and David does and you know so many other people, giants that we stand on the shoulders of. Um, I just wanted to present it as a true art form, and you know, I kind of built the museum with this wonderful life concept of build it and they will come, but I didn't really put into place a proper foundation to keep it around for you know forever and ever. I just assumed that I would be able to uh, the, the turtle money would never run out and unfortunately it did and, and that was terribly sad to see it go but I'm I keep playing the lottery every week and if I win and when <laughs> I win I'm going to build another one Yay! <laughs> and, and you guys can you guys can renew your vows there and 
But no, you So wait, when did when did this museum close? Because like Zombrian and I went to Mount Holyoke, and I don't think I remember this place. So nineteen ninety nine. Okay, it was a while ago. Noted. Yep. Oh, oh thank you. <laughs> I just wanted to make sure we didn't miss it while we were there. Guys, no, no. I knew she was gonna pull the ears. Thanks for making it. Once a year, uh, these people from the phone store wonder why this couple walks up to the window in the phone store and shakes their fists at them. Yeah. The, the phone <laughs> store? Is that is that right next to the yarn store, actually, in Northampton? Um, it's, what, two down from Thorns? Okay, okay, yeah. Yeah, yeah, I know what you're talking about, okay. That's very so, funny. You've still gone on to do other things. You've been working with the Hero Initiative, though, right? Yeah, we did a. I did this really fun show out here in LA over the holidays. It was called Thirty Five Days. It was Los Angeles, Thirty Five Days with Kevin Eastman, and it was kind of inspired by my friend Gaston. He owns uh, Meltdown Comics, and he had gotten this gallery space, and he wanted to kick off with a fun show. And he said, "Hey, why don't you show some of the work you've been doing on the Turtles now that you're back doing that?" And also, we were coming up on Heavy Metal's thirty fifth anniversary, which is two thousand and twelve. So I kind of did this. Thing I call it a turtles and tits show where <laughs> um, it would be. You know, I bet it was tits. The... Come on. <laughs> exactly. It must be um, really good. Yeah. <laughs> exactly. That's Wait, where, uh, tits are uh, good and balls are bad. Okay, got it. <laughs> right. Yeah. Right. We, put the, we put the balls in the back room. Um, <laughs> where they belong. <laughs> so that was so we did this um, really fun show out there, and one of the centerpieces that I wanted was. Um, you know, every time I visited an artist, um, and, you know, probably Jeremy and has had the same, when I visit, you know, people come to visit, they want to see where you work. They want to see the artist, too. That was always interesting to me. I want to see what things you have and, and what I need to add to my collection, whether I'm going to steal them from your house or your studio or I have to go buy them. Um, <laughs> and in the same time, so when I would go to other people's houses, they would come to mine. So I thought that as a centerpiece of the gallery that I'd literally take everything that I had in my studio and my desk and my things, all the stuff that I was working on at that time and had worked, on for you know many many years and I brought it to the studio set it up and then auctioned it off to benefit the hero initiative and and things and that was really fun plus it gave a lot of the people that were coming into the gallery to physically see the space that I was living breathing existing in while I created so much of this stuff so it was a kind of a cool thing to do it was a great you know when you're going all in on the gallery show I went all the way in I did keep some of my favorite DVD, DVDs and some of my favorite comics and toys out of the out of that, that auction but uh, it was really fun to, to do and, and exciting and great to be part of that whole that whole initiative it's a great charity nice. now Jeremy you're on the road and you're on the road for about the next three or four months he's literally on the road <laughs> Right now, you're on your way to C2E2 in Chicago, and you're going to be there the 13th through the 15th. The following weekend, you're in Boston. Woo! Then three, weeks, then three weeks after that, you're in Traverse City, Michigan at Cherry Capital Con. Mm -hmm. oh, and then you go, you actually get like about three weeks off before you end up at Heroes Con in Charlotte, North Carolina, and then end up in San Diego, July 11th through 15th. My God, I mean, you're you're touring more than a rock star right now. <laughs> well, you, you know, you sort of you have to do that when you're uh, sort of at this level. Um, go to different shows, try and sell stuff, and you know, get lots of uh, tax write-offs. <laughs> <Yes. laughs> 
So, but uh, yeah, I love going to shows. I love meeting fans. I love meeting new artists and talking about comics and art. And, you know, and no. eating out at these restaurants. <laughs> so you're yeah. actually bringing your prints to every one of these shows. So if people yeah. go, to your, go to your website, they can see what you're doing, and you're going to have prints of that stuff there. Well, um, the stuff on my site is actually all of my con sketches mostly. Um, yeah. the, the prints that I have, I don't know if I have actually posted them. I, I know lots of other fans. There's a Yahoo group, a Chris Pyrico Yahoo group, and there's a, like a gallery of prints in there. But, um, yeah, it's, it's a very time-consuming thing because I have to stain them all like before each show. Like, oh, how many do I need for this show? And then I turn them up and stain them. That's what I was doing last night until about 2 o'clock in the morning. So, <laughs> yeah. So where do you call home? Uh, I live in Plymouth, Michigan, uh, and uh, me and my wife live in a small little stone cottage in the country, and we've got sheep and ducks and chickens. And... Aww. <laughs> nice. <laughs> no, that's, that's very nice. Your stuff is really, really, like, we've, I mean, obviously we've been mentioning this all night. Your stuff is really, really detailed. It's beautiful. And do you work while you're on the road? Can you work while you're on the road, or is it well, so time-consuming that you can't? Um, I really can't. Not on, like, uh, inking. Definitely not on inking. I, I could probably, you know, sketch out a couple ideas, and occasionally I'll do some, like, story ideas and stuff like that. But I do a lot of con sketches, and that takes up a lot of my time. Um, I, you know, luckily, at a show, or hopefully at a show, I'll finish all the ones that I actually get paid for <laughs> instead of having to take them home and work on them and then mail them out to people. But, uh... It's a lot of, I'm still working a ton at each show, but just not on the book. <laughs> That's the only drawback. Do you have any dream projects you'd like to do, Jeremy? Um, uh, wait, wait, dream what? Sorry. No, any projects? There is there Are there any oh, stories? Okay. Yeah, whether well, it's... Um, whether it's something that's really comic book related or if it's a fairy tale or something like that yeah. that you'd really like to work on? Well, um, I I grew up, and one of my favorite comics growing up was uh, the Alan Moore Swamp Things done by uh, John Cleveland. Uh, yeah. Yes. And, like, <laughs> I would love to do a Swamp Thing story. That's, like, you know, my number uh, one, like, uh, if I could do that, then I could consider myself a, you know, a successful professional. But, uh, other than that, I don't think my style lends itself to a lot of different, you know, um, it's definitely not like a cape and cowl type of thing, not even like an X-Men kind of thing, which is like my second favorite book when I was growing up. Maybe uh, storyboarding a Michael Bay movie. <laughs> <laughs> no, no. <laughs> but, uh, Work with us, Jeremy. No. Work with us. Yeah. <laughs> You know, I, oh my God! Now that you say it, I can completely see you you studying John Totalbin's work. Oh my God! I was going to say, how about a Miracle Man <laughs> next to that? <laughs> oh, the rights! Don't even get into that. <laughs> well, other than that, um, maybe like a collection of fairy tales, like that'd be cool, or some Poe stuff. I've uh, I've been wanting to illustrate a Mask of the Red Death for a long time. <gasps> if you do it. 
I will be first in line. Oh, you, <laughs> you, that. you, you are amongst Poe fans here. Yes. <laughs> and Mask of the Red Death is my very, very favorite one ever. I used to make my, I made my mother read it to me once when I was sick in the hospital, and she told me she never forgave me for that. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, but it's my favorite, mommy. Wow, and everybody died. Get better. <laughs> You're gonna be fine. Good night, Moon. <laughs> yeah. Good night permanently. Just made me think of that. What's that song that, uh, that Sheldon always makes Penny sing to him? I don't know why the mask of the red death and that whole conversation made me think of pretty kitty, but I just was just, <laughs> just, Wait, there you go. just, just the absurdity or way to inject myself in the conversation once again. I don't know. I panic. Jeremy. <laughs> Segway noise. This <laughs> spin off mouse of the red death. <laughs> I can maybe talk into that. Sure. <laughs> That's a good segue sound, FYI. Oh, okay. you finally got to go to FedEx. That's Michael Bay's next project, Soft Kitty the Movie. <laughs> oh my god. Okay, you heard it here first, folks. Start the letters now. Dear Michael Bay, please don't ruin Soft Kitty. <laughs> like you ruin everything. I mean, it's gonna be now, fine. Now, well, but I mean, Soft Kitty has such an intriguing and compelling story. It's nuanced. <laughs> Shut up. It's, it's subtle nuance. And that's, that's right. multi-layered. That's right. And folks, you can get a Soft Kitty sketch. Evan <laughs> <laughs> Eastman and Jeremy Bastian. If you give them lots of money at the Boston Comic Con next week. Wow. <laughs> 21st and 22nd. This is not product yeah, yet placement. A, yet, a, yet another excellent segue. <laughs> Me, 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 and Jeremy would, me and Jeremy would do a soft kitty crossover with Swamp Thing and Daredevil. Yeah, there you go. So I'm like Steve Bissett, uh, Albrecht Durer, and uh, John Toddleton. Wait, and they'll all be bleeding to death from their <laughs> But the kitties are teenage, deformed, and samurais, right? Absolutely. <laughs> teenage, deformed, samurais. Well played. <laughs> the David Peter David Peterson covers. <laughs> well, again, if you stop by the Sci-Fi Saturday Night booth at Boston Comic Con, we'll be happy to walk you to Jeremy and Kevin's booths at the show. I might be too shy to go to Kevin's booth. When Don't. is the show, Brian? <laughs> <laughs> Come on, X. Make it happen. Are we doing this? Should I turn on the thing? Yeah, you know what? I'm turning on the thing. Let's wrap it. <laughs> We've had enough fun tonight. No more fun. Did we lose Illustrator X? He's back there, but he's quiet. Yeah. He's, I, I, he's, going, for, he's going for beers. Yeah, or something. Can you hear me? Hmm. There we I don't go. Know. I can't hear him really at all. Hello? Can you hear me now? Yeah, uh -huh. that's better. What'd you do? Um, nothing. Oh, Actually, it leaned into the microphone. Now talk, say something, do the ending. All right. Well, coming up next week, uh, first, while we're at the Boston Comic Con, we'll still be doing the show because it's the return of steampunk city artist Dave Gordon. Then on April 28th, 
Hugo Award winner, Nebula Award winner, sci-fi legend Norman Spinrad will be here. Hello. May 5th, Summit City Comic Con founder Zach Cruz will give us the inside scoop on this year's guest list. And on May 12th, from Brown Coats to Z-Con, Mike Dougherty will explain it all. Sci-Fi Saturday Night is the official podcast of the Boston Comic Con. Can you believe it? Hard to come meet. <laughs> come meet the Sci-Fi Saturday Night crew at the Boston Comic Con this April 21st and 22nd. Tickets are still available at www.bostoncomiccon.com. Tonight's outro music provided by the Traffic Lights. Pick up their CD, Hold a Folk, at robwattsonline.com. Dome? I want to thank Kevin Eastman and Jeremy Bastian for joining us today. We'll see you guys next weekend. And again, if you want to join us, come to Boston Comic Con, come to the Sci-Fi Saturday Night, and we will bring you to them. I want to thank the usual suspects tonight from the Revere Time Vortex, the sweetheart of the soundboard, Kriana, and Grammar Girl Zombrarian. Thank you, ladies. Now I'm really craving pizza. Knockout! <laughs> From the Four Color Vault of Comics, Illustrator X and the Dead Redhead. I am so looking forward to next weekend. <laughs> Colin! Dash! Thanks for having me on, you guys. It was awesome. Thank you. <laughs> From Outpost Gallifrey's Catch Release Nymphomaniac Center, Awake by Java. So long, everybody. <laughs> this is Dom saying, Genie, shared pain is lessened, shared joy is increased. Thus do we all refute entropy. Good night, everybody. Good night. I know.